Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names Fall Game. Today is October 9th. It is Iowa week. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host, Pat. It's a Saturday night game at Kinnick, under the lights. Pat, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm feeling all jacked up after watching HBO 24-7, Penn State Nittany Lions. Oh, God, it was so fucking good. So awesome. Uh, so for anyone listening to this, hopefully you watched it uh, last night, if you were listening to this on Thursday. Um, we are going to get to that in a minute. There are a ton of things. I'm so happy we watched it because we thought about recording this earlier and we would have missed it and then not talked about it. So happy we did that. Uh, but yeah, it is Iowa week. So this is our preview episode. Uh, we'll preview the game, go through some of our predictions, uh, and definitely talk about this HBO special. Um, but first, I wanted to start with uh, the more serious topic of the week. Everyone's heard about it by now if you're a Penn State fan, if you're listening to this. Uh, the letter that was sent to Jonathan Sutherland. Um, if you live under a rock and haven't seen this story, uh, it was a letter sent by a, an old man. Uh, I don't even want to say his name, um, but it's Dave Peterson, I think. That's the only time I'm going to say it. Uh, sent a letter to Jonathan Sutherland claiming to be a Penn State fan and telling him that his dreadlocks are disgusting, that he doesn't represent the university, uh, and that he needs to change. It's been covered by, I mean, the thing went incredibly viral. Antonio Shelton was the first one to share it. Um, tons of Penn State players uh, tweeting their support and their camaraderie with Jonathan. A ton of fans tweeting how, obviously, this is one person's opinion. And, I mean, it's it's been covered a ton, but I wanted to make sure we would talk about it because I think it, I think it really is important. So... Um, I have a ton of thoughts, and I'll try not to ramble too much, but uh, I, I'll let you go first, Pat. What was what was your thoughts on kind of the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, this guy's opinion sucks, of course. Um, there's not, like, a ton I can say that hasn't already been said. The fact of the matter is the two people that, like, you want to – that have the most important opinion about it, Jonathan Sutherland himself, James Franklin, have already spoken about it, slash written about it, and made incredible statements on both ends – um, you know, I personally, I'm proud to have Jonathan Sutherland represent anything I'm a part of from being a Penn Stater to being a human being. Yeah. Very well said. Very, very, very mature of you. And I, and I think for, for Jonathan and, and James Franklin, both very mature responses. Um, when I first watched Franklin's press conference, um, I mean, you could tell he was reading a written statement and, and you could tell he put a lot of, a lot of thought into it. And at first, it kind of it almost it almost took me aback that he was reading a written statement because he is such an emotional guy and kind of like you know speaks from the heart. But I think it made a lot of sense because as I was even preparing for this show and like trying to get my thoughts together, I was all over the place from like anger to this dude to like, are you fucking kidding me? And I get it. Uh, and I thought I thought he said it really really well. Um, I love the support, like I said, from all of the other players. Um, you can see how quickly and how lovingly they've rallied around him. Um, but yeah, I think for me, what, what really pissed me off, one, first of all, like what think, what makes you think you have the right to send this letter in the first place is just absolutely unacceptable. Um, two, like Antonio's first tweet was like, tell me how this isn't racist. It 100% is and pissed me off a lot that people were trying to kind of like tiptoe around that. Um, and again, you and I are both white males, probably not the experts to speak on racism, but like people trying to online say, oh, it was probably from a troll from another school. It, it probably wasn't even real. No, it was pretty quickly found out that this guy is who he is. Uh, they found other letters that he's written into like his local papers. And he even doubled down on it when they asked him about it. Um, other people then trying to say, 
oh, it's not racist. It's just him looking at a different time period and, and he wants the, you know, the olden days. It's like, no, it, it's an incredibly racist targeted letter. Like he didn't write letters to Trace McSorley. Trace had tattoos. He hasn't written a letter to Blake Gilligan or Jordan Stout who have long hair. Like it's... Yeah, Michael Mowdy, Mike Zordich, yeah. Paul Pazlesny. I mean, it's gone on for years and I get it. I get that like Penn State is clean cut and tradition, but man, it's like, it's just so tone deaf for people to try to rationalize it in any way. Um, so I love that the team has rallied. I love that Coach Franklin instantly had his back and, and I love that Jonathan's taken it and, and kind of, you know, I, I think his quote was, I, I, in order to respect your opinions, I need to respect you as a person. And I thought that was like a very classy way of saying like, listen, I'm not going to let this phase me and I'm going to move on. So like I said, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to spend hours on this, but Jonathan, if somehow you happen to listen to this, we love you. Keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, we are incredibly proud to have you represent Penn State. That being said, let's now move on to something we actually saw a little bit of Jonathan Sutherland in, the HBO 24-7 college football documentary just aired. We are recording this uh, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Pacific time, for those of you on the East Coast. Um, I have a ton of notes. (laughs) I was like, this is what this podcast has done to me. I was fucking taking notes while I was watching it. Um, But but high level, what would you think, man? Oh, it was fucking awesome. I mean... Like the love for Penn State football has always, it's it's like, it's never not there for me. And so just seeing all that, it gets so pumped up. Uh, Love that. I also, I haven't been back to State College since I moved away from there. Uh, And it was just like those open, it's like establishing shots of the town. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like in the, just makes me miss the place so much. Like just remembers how much I love being there and how great it was, especially when you showed up like as a freshman. And like every time you went back to school after summer, how excited you were to get back. Like remember, like you're in high school, you hate when the summer's over. You're dreading going back to school. And when I was in college, I was so excited for summer to be over to go back to Penn State. <laughs> yep. And like it, all that just came back. I like I almost forgot what that felt like, and it was so, just so fucking great. Yeah, I agree to all of that. Um, I actually just bought tickets to the whiteout. Uh, I'm gonna take my little brother. It'll be my first game back in like five years, and I am so nice. pumped. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of those same feelings. I thought, I thought it was incredibly well produced. Uh, the visuals were just stunning. Some of those establishing shots you were talking about were just awesome. Um, and and I think shout out to Ashley Krupa uh, in one of those early establishing shots of Pomani's former co-worker of mine. There you go. You looked great. Shout out again. Who? I think I might have cut out. Who was it? Ashley Krupa, Ashley bartender Krupa. at Pomani's. Shout out to her. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Uh, I think it's really easy to see now why... Penn State opted into this. You know, there were some questions early on of like, you know, maybe Penn State's not really, you know, Penn State's more traditional. Why would they do this? Like, very clear why. Um, I thought you got an incredible inside look into the team, the personalities. Um, yeah, I'm going to go through some of my notes here. Uh, again, I'm trying not to spend 45 minutes just on this. If you have not watched it and plan on watching it, skip ahead now. This is your spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about very specific things. Skip yeah. ahead if you don't want it spoiled. Uh, one, um, one thing I loved about it, was I actually, at the beginning, the way they kind of brought up the scandal without really talking about it, where it's like, you know, how in recent years it's like shown that it's not all about one person yep. and all that. I thought that was actually a super classy way to to bring that in. Yeah, because we, we did talk about that when we first heard it was happening. We we're like, well, of course they're going to talk about it, but how are they going to? So, yeah, I agree. Um, first thing, and this is the only negative thing I'll say about the entire thing, they picked... 
awful shots in the beginning to show of the bars. There's like one old person bar and then one like college group of kids that were like kind of excited. Pick one of the crazy bars, man. Yeah, go to Champs. Go to Champs. The Jonas Brothers hang out there. Um, everything else is positive from here on out. Uh, I never knew, and I don't think, I don't know if many people did, never knew that after a win they have the celebrate good yeah. times. That was super cool. Loved it. Really cool. Enjoyed that. Um, James Franklin's daughters wake up every day at 5.30 a.m. to say goodbye to him. True or false? Do you buy into it? Um, I absolutely buy into it. It's the cutest thing ever. It's so sweet. It's adorable. It was adorable. I just can't believe they do that every day. That's amazing. Um, Especially like, still at 12 years old and you start to like present your parents. Right. Like That's the time where I'd be like, all right, Dad, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> um, one of my first interesting thoughts, and this is not, not – to stir controversy, but I was just interested in it. Uh, the first shot they show of the defensive meeting, it's Brent Pry leading his troop of his troops of coaches. Um, all the coaches are in there and he's kind of like getting them riled up. They flip to the offensive room. And I think Franklin said more words than Ronnie did. I was like, come on, give my guy Ronnie some shine here. Um, so that, they gave I, him some one-on-one -on -one time, though. Yeah, they did. And I, th I think that was more of just like, you know, it happened to be the shot they had, whatever. But just kind of, you know experience levels maybe you know maybe he's in more of those offensive meetings than than defensive or maybe it just happened well, to be that time that, you know, he's a former quarterbacks coach yes. like he's a more offensive minded guy true yeah that's a really good point too um the family stuff early on all the coaches and their families getting together monday night that's that's really cool like you know they preach family but i think that's that's really awesome yeah like here in brent price say like you know he's worked for guys that didn't even know his wife's first name and now like at here at Penn State, like it is, it is legitimately a family. Yeah, that's awesome. It makes you so proud to be a Penn Stater. It does, and it's like I think it was cool because, like, as you're watching that, you almost kind of feel like you're in that room. You know, it's like it didn't yeah. feel forced or contrived. It was like, no, this is this is how it really is. Um, this is my biggest takeaway, and, and this is somewhat chronologically, but my biggest takeaway, and I've known this and I've loved this already. Sean Spencer is the fucking man. I would run oh, through yes. a million brick walls for him. I want to be a wild dog. I've said before, I want the Lawn Boys chain. I am retracting that statement. Lawn Boys, I love you. I want to be a wild dog. I am going to start okay. training today. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to stop eating Taco Bell. Uh, just kidding. I actually had it for dinner tonight. Um, I want to be There's a wild so dog. There's so much good Mexican food in Los Angeles. I don't, we're not talking about that right now. We're not talking about that right now. I want to be a wild dog. For Sean Spencer, because I mean, it is just so real and authentic with him. Like that first scene of him, like telling them, like they weren't good today. And he said, he's like, he's like, listen, this ain't nothing personal. I love y'all, but sending a message. And then they were like eating dinner together and having fun. It's like you can tell like how much they actually respect and care for him. And a couple of them even said it. Like I think it was Yitor yeah. and one of the others. Like I would do anything for him. Um, I absolutely love the guy. And I love that whole picking the dog tag out of the bucket. Like, this is who you're playing for tomorrow. Oh, that's fucking great. That was love that of, shit. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things. I think uh, I think all of the like the coach speeches to the units the night before were pretty cool. Uh, they did like Brent Pry talking to his team, uh, Ronnie talking to the the offense. That was probably the most fired up we saw Ronnie at first, which I thought was yeah. really cool. Um, you, you actually saw some passion out of him because he you know he comes off as a little bit more timid sometimes. Um, I thought that, I'll go with laid back. Laid back. That's a great word. Um, so I, yeah, I loved that one. And then the dog tags come up. I'm like, geez, man, like I really want to be a wild dog. And you can see too, like, cause you can see the players embrace it. Like as soon as they pick out who they got, like they, you can tell like they, it's not, 
again, it's not forced. Like, it's just a huge smile across their face, hand up, dap them, hug them up. Like, it's just cool, man. Like, I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but it's just fucking cool. It um, is, dude. Penn State football. Yeah. Certified cool. Certified cool. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? Oh, uh, this one, uh, a couple quotes. KJ cracked me up when they were doing the uh, the jumping test. The jump. Him and Gary Taylor. <laughs> he sees with Gary Taylor and he goes, yo, that's fraud, bro. <laughs> He wasn't even jumping. That was so. Garrett Taylor beat him like seven inches, eight inches. <laughs> very, very funny. KJ, centimeters, centimeters. Same thing, centimeters. Whatever. Like I said, it's my 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 adrenaline is up right now. Seven inches would be insane. <laughs> um, Garrett Taylor's got some fucking hops though. Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, that was impressive. I, I think he was like second on the whatever ranking that they they were for everybody that was doing it. Um, yeah, KJ's personality came through awesome. Him and Cliff early on. It's like, yo, that's a shitty ball you gave me. That's yeah. a shitty ball. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, Coach Franklin doing the radio show uh, reminded me uh, of Friday Night Lights when, like, Coach Taylor's at, like, a local restaurant, like, mixing around with everybody. Like, him, him like, pretending to grab the beer and shaking hands and hugging people. Like, same thing. You kind of got that small-town vibe where, like, everybody knows each other. This is family. Um... What else? What else? Oh, scenes at his house were awesome. Um, seeing him with his family, his daughters. Uh, and I thought, I think one of the things that will definitely come out of this was when he said, he's like, I don't talk about this a lot, but one of my own personal goals is to be the first African-American coach to win a national title. I love that because he's never a guy that talks about himself in any other, like in any other forum. I don't know if we've, if we would have ever heard that. So like, I love that kind of vulnerability in him being okay saying that uh, and it just I don't know it gave like a really cool look into who he is as a person and and like what drives him you know and he talked about wanting to help other people and wanting to do all these things and then like hey that's one goal of his I thought that was really really cool yeah I mean he's a guy who even though like he definitely has kind of a an ego and a, a lot of self-confidence at the same time doesn't make things all about him right like, it's, it's about his players right exactly exactly so I thought that was great um silent practices on friday crazy cool as shit i really, love it really cool i never even heard of that before um, i think it's a great idea they they showed something there this is leaking the playbook if we were talking about what we were going to see did you see the little fake kick onside kick i think that was us uh, defending against an onside kick i know but maybe that's maybe that's in our back right <laughs> jordan stout faked it blake killigan little onside Playbook's uh, yeah. out. The book, the book is out on Penn State football. That's our secret weapon. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> Kidding. Um, another uh, great quote from that when we were recovering onside kicks, uh, it was Micah and Jahan coming back. He's like, Micah, Micah, hold up. And I think he's talking to Jahan. He goes, you know what you're supposed to do there? Not lay fucking flat on the ground. <laughs> like That was another like piece of personality that you don't normally get from him. Very funny. Yeah. Um, and then last thing for me, and I, I think this might even be my biggest takeaway, I absolutely loved, loved the intensity from Franklin on the sideline during the game when the offense started stalling. What'd you think about that? Oh yeah, stand, oh, I loved it. Standing up, three fucking out again. Fuck, like, yeah, it was great. Yeah, he's like, yeah, show that passion. We're, we're up twenty-eight-seven. He's still, he's still, still got that fire. You win every, and then he wants to win every single play. Yeah, and it's, it's like that's the kind of stuff that. As fans, you know, like we can see some of the emotion on the sideline, but you're not like really in it. And like his his demeanor in a in a press conference after the game is pretty even keeled. So like, 
it's easy for us, especially like you and I, as we talk about this, it's us for, easy for us to say like, oh, they got complacent. They just didn't care. Oh, they didn't execute. They got lazy. No, it's like <laughs> he fucking cared and he showed it. And I, I don't yeah. know, that to me was really, really cool to see that kind of fire in a game that we were up big against an opponent that had no chance of beating us. I don't know. I love that. I agree. <laughs> and some of the other coaches too. What was it? I think uh, Brent Pry in the, in the, I don't know if it was pregame or night before. It's like, this is a redshirt freshman quarterback making his third start. Get after him. <laughs> like, I yes. love that. I love that. Loved it. Um, all right. I could keep sitting here and saying I loved every part of this, but if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, I'll put a little, I'll put a note uh, where to skip for those of you that haven't watched it. So if you haven't watched it, welcome on back. Uh, please yeah. go watch the documentary and then you can re-listen to this spot. All right, uh, a couple other quick hitters um, before we get into the Iowa game. Uh, very quick hitters, actually. We'll get through these in about a minute. Uh, did you see the tweet that went a little viral today? Franklin gave a student the shirt off his back. I didn't see that, actually. <laughs> so there was a girl on campus wearing a Michigan State shirt. I guess she is from Michigan, has a lot of family that has gone to Michigan State. And Franklin, uh, apparently this is pretty popular, that he's like he like walks around campus or drives his golf cart around campus if he's you know going to and from and interacts with some students so she she said there was like an article on it she was like yeah i hear this voice that said michigan state and i turned around and it was coach franklin he like took off his pullover that he had on with penn state logo gave it to her on the spot so that she could cover up the spartans logo that's my coach right there man that's my coach man of the people i love it that was, that was pretty cool uh, next quick hitter, uh, tweeted this this morning, Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, uh, NFL draft expert, did a quick mock draft on Twitter. Normally he does them as like articles or podcasts, but he just tweeted the string of them. Had Yitor Gross Matos going number 32 overall, so that's the last pick in the first round, to the New England Patriots. Uh, first of all, I hope not. <laughs> as Jets fans... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome for Yitor because they're an excellent team and constantly doing really, really good things, and he'd be amazing. As Jet fans, for you and I, that would be 10 years plus of him terrorizing our quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, but good to know that he's on the radar. Uh, one more for Yitor. He was uh, today named a quarterfinalist for the Lot Impact Trophy. That's one of those uh, season-long awards given out for the best Best player in defensive performance and character. So, pretty cool. I, I could see him going higher than 32, to be honest. I do, too. I think, it, I think it's one of those where, you know, he's, he's a known commodity at this point. As he puts up more stats throughout the year, draft stock will rise a little bit. Um, I think the biggest thing for him is going to be combine. Because, like, yeah. he, he, I mean, obviously he looks the part when he's playing, right? You see, you see the sacks, you see the tackles for loss, but, like, you know, NFL teams are going to want to see what he tests at, like what is what is his ceiling? What can we mold him into? Um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Some of the uh, some of the season long uh, awards do like weekly watch lists, and people come on and off the watch list. But this one apparently has cut down their total list down to the quarter finalists, and Yitor is one of them. So shout out to Yitor, we love you, man. All right, you ready to jump into Iowa? Absolutely. Iowa, 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 <coughs> Iowa, Iowa. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a, I feel like I say this every week, but there's a lot to talk about, but there's also not a lot to talk about. I feel like this is uh, pretty straightforward. We know who Iowa is. They are a typical Big Ten team. They want to run the ball and play great defense. Um, 
So I'll hit you with a couple of stats, and then we'll get into to the preview. So all-time series, uh, Penn State is up 16-12. to 12. We are 3-0 and under James Franklin, uh, and actually have a current five-game winning streak against them, going back to uh, O'Brien and Paterno, one win each uh, in this last run. This season, I was 4-1. and one. Obviously, everyone knows they had that loss to Michigan last week. Very ugly, 10-3. Uh, they also had a very close win over Iowa State um, early on in the season. They won 18-17. So their big wins come against Miami of Ohio, Rutgers, and Middle Tennessee. Not super impressive, but, you know, you can't, you can't dictate your schedule. So they've won when, they've supposed to, they've won when they were supposed to win. Uh, you know, avoided... Except for uh, that one time. Yeah, well... Yeah, except for that one time. Were they favored in that Michigan game? Yeah, I mean, they were ranked higher than them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay, so they won everything except <laughs> one when they were supposed to. Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned in the beginning, this is under the lights at Kinnick. We know that's a, one of the more hostile uh, environments to play in. Um, did a little research. I was, I was reading, like, message boards and blogs and different things to see some different perspectives, and I found on an Iowa website um, one of the blogs was tracking – uh, their all-time record under the lights at Kinnick, like night games. So Iowa is 13-6 and all-time in these kind of games, but they are 3-4 and four against ranked opponents. Bodes well for Penn State. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so we, we have been in three of these games uh, that they are 13-6 and six in. In 2010, we were ranked number 20, and we lost 24-3. Not fun. Uh, 2012, we went back in there. We were unranked. We won 38 to 14. It's a great game. And then in 2017, obviously everyone remembers this one, number four in the country. We won 21, 19. Trace McSorley to Johan Johnson on the last play of the game. My heart was. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was. Uh, so that's sort of the tale of the tape uh, for these two teams head-to-head and kind of how we, how we stack up going in here. Um, let's start just kind of high level. Same thing. Like, what's your, what's your overall feel for this game? Where, where do you see, you know, where do you, where do you see this going? What are our advantages? I, I, we're just going to kind of ramble this one. I feel like we've tried to structure these in the past. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just talk. Uh, defensively, I think we match up great with them. Uh, their offensive line is okay. At best, they got sacked eight times last week by Michigan. And Michigan, before that Iowa game, was averaging less than two sacks a game. Wow. So, I mean, Michigan's yeah. defensive line, like, not incredible. Mm. Sacked them eight times. Now, granted, before that game, Iowa State was also averaging getting sacked less than two times a game. So it Iowa. could have just been – I'd say Iowa. <laughs> um, uh, could have just been, like, kind of a fluke, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, their run game has been good, not great, averaging about like 4.4 yards a carry. I think like 100 and, 100, 174. 174 yards a game, pretty good, but not like you're not blowing the doors off. And the teams that they have put up points against have been very unimpressive. And the only decent teams they've played, they've hardly been able to score. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's all fair. So let's, let's start there with Iowa's offense. A um, couple stats to run down. Currently, they are scoring 27.4 points per game. That's good for 81st in the country. Not great. Uh, passing yards, 250, uh, which is 57th in the country. 
Uh, rushing yards, you said, 174. Um, things that they are good at, uh, third down percentage. They are converting at a 47% clip, uh, 20th in the country, so pretty good on third down. Yeah. Um, red zone offense, they are 100%, 18 for 18, 13 touchdowns and five field goals. Um, their offense doesn't scare me. And I hesitate saying that because every time I say that, I've said it. I said it last year about Michigan State, and then we fucking lost. Um, this this is the game where I trust our defense to do their jobs. I trust them to to shut this team down. Even if we even if we let up seventeen points, twenty points, even if it's a subpar performance, I still I still trust the defense to really own this game. Um, you gotta you gotta score against Iowa. It's their defense that is that is the key, right? And I'm, I'm maybe jumping ahead to our keys to victory, but I, I saw a stat uh, in the Big Ten Big Ten Network does their like two minute preview video for each game. Under Kirk Ferentz, is that how you say it? Yeah, Kirk Ferentz. They are sixty one and two when holding teams to ten points or less. Which like logically lines up, right? If you hold a team to ten points or less, you're probably gonna win. Yeah, but the point being is like your teams aren't eking out 10-7 wins, 10-3 wins often like Michigan did this last week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, also in 20 seasons they've held teams to 10 points or less 63 times. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like the key to victory again without spoiling it, I have another key later maybe. Key to victory is like score points, let your defense do what they're good at, right? Offense has to overcome what they're good at in their defense. So, um Looking at their defense, uh, they allow 8.8 points a game, which is good for third in the country. You know, Do you know who's second? I believe that would be Penn State. Penn State defense! Allowing 7.4 points per game. So suck on that, Hawkeyes. Um, they are only allowing 168 passing yards per game. That's good for 12th in the country. Pretty damn good. Uh, only allowing 85 rushing yards per game. 11th in the country. Pretty damn which good. Which could be trouble for us. Yeah, um, here's the thing that for me I think is the most interesting as I started looking into this defense. We've heard for a while about how good their front four is. Uh, A.J. Epineza is a top five, top ten pick in the NFL draft next year. Like, really, really good edge rusher. He's going to be lined up over Rasheed Walker, our redshirt freshman left tackle. That's going to be a matchup that is going to need some eyeballs on it. What was surprising to me, though, as talented as they are and, and as maybe disruptive as they are, they're holding only 85 rushing yards. They're averaging 1.4 sacks per game. Yeah, they've got seven on the season, I think, right? Yeah, that's tied for 107th in the nation. One Very point, impressive. 1.4 sacks a game. Do you know who leads the country in sacks per game? Is it the Pennsylvania State University? It's the Pennsylvania State University in the Lions with five sacks per game. And like this, yeah. this is where you look at these, and it's 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 at this point in the season, I think, that you start looking at, because you can always make the rationales like the first two weeks. Ah, oh, you played nobody. Of course, your numbers are inflated. Like we still haven't played really anybody, but neither have they. Like, they yeah, played, and their numbers aren't inflated. <laughs> yeah, they played they played Michigan, so that's one right. But like, still one point four one point four sacks per game for them versus five for us. When again, their their D line is like heralded. Again, at this yeah. point, I think ours is better. But like coming into the season, we heard a lot about that D line from Iowa. So one point four sacks per game and only three tackles for loss. 
which is 129th in the country. Do you know who's first in tackles for loss? If I had to guess, <laughs> I would say your Penn State Nittany Lions. 10.4 tackles per loss per game. That's massive. Wild so, dogs are eating out there, man. Yeah, so obviously, like, if you're going just comparing defense to defense, our, our defense has the edge there um, in a lot of things, you know, slightly by points. Rushing yards, we're only letting up 50.6 rushing yards per game. That is sexy. That is. That's incredible. Um, five sacks a game, 10.4 tackles per loss. So, like, defense versus defense, our team is looking really, really good. But this is, you know, we've, we've talked about playing the matchups, right? So our defense against their offense. You mentioned earlier that they're, you know, gave up a bunch of sacks. Um, you know, their rushing yards per game is okay. It's, it almost seems like it's an anomaly because Iowa, you always think of these just incredibly talented offensive lines. First-round NFL draft picks, these big Midwestern dudes who eat corn and just do nothing else but block people for a living. I'm, like, really interested to see how well our defensive line can do against, you know, a Big Ten O-line, despite their struggles. It's at home. It's at night. They're going to be jacked up for it because, realistically, their Big Ten title hopes, if they have any, kind of relying on this game. If they lose this one, now they've got two conference losses. Not looking good. Yeah. So I'm excited for that matchup. I think our our D-line against their O-line will be really, really exciting. And then, uh, like I said, our O-line, we've, we've talked about the struggles that we've had, right? We we struggled hard against Pitt. That was probably the that was probably the other best defense that we've seen so far. I was a lot better than Pitt. Um, it's it's something that I don't know. I don't want to be too negative on, but like I think you're gonna see a lot of Fryermuth into block, running backs into block. Like you're gonna see extra support in there just because you, you got to keep Clifford clean. You got to. You got to create running lanes. So um, I think, yeah, for me, I think a lot of it is in the trenches. How do we match up both sides of it? Yeah, it'll be a really great uh, benchmark of how much our offensive line has improved. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you hope you hope after the dominant win at Maryland, then you kind of, you know, have a great start in Purdue. You, you hope to see that trend come back to rise, right? Like, hey, this is a game that, we were clearly we were clearly locked and loaded for Maryland. We were ready. We were focused. We were prepared. Like this is a game that you need that same mentality. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's look at uh, Penn State offense. Just some numbers again um, that I didn't get to earlier. So we are scoring forty-seven points a game. Good for fifth in the country. Passing yards three hundred and five passing yards per game. That's nineteenth in the country. That's not bad. Surprised it's only nineteenth. Uh, I mean, you have this. You have some of those offenses that are just constantly airing it out, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, that's all. That's all teams, all FBS, Division One teams, whatever you want to call it. So like some of those, some of those lower level teams that are just chucking the ball all day, um, it, it inflates some of those numbers. But I was actually, I was happy with that. You know, averaging more than three hundred pass yards a game, it's pretty damn yeah, good. Damn good, considering we're pretty balanced. I, I think we're pass heavy, but we're yeah a pretty balanced attack. Yeah, averaging pretty balanced philosophy. Yeah, 194 rushing yards per game, 43rd in the country. So, yeah, we're you know not too far off that. One that I thought was cool was uh, pass yards per completion. Um, so for every completion we're actually you know hitting, Clifford is almost 15 yards of completion, 14.69. 
nice. Um, yeah. But driving the ball down the field, right? Like, and we we we've talked a lot about how we can be the big play threat, and we are, you know, sometimes too reliant on that. But it shows there. Uh, a couple of general stats, and then we'll we'll move out of the stats category. Um, that's a lie. I have more stats. I don't know why I'm lying to you guys. <laughs> Penalty yards per game. This is I, I spent a lot of time just looking at all of this because I don't know. I, I'm becoming becoming a nerd, guys. You guys are seeing this live on air. Penalty yards per game. Iowa, only 33 penalty yards per game. Fourth in the country. They are a disciplined team. It's pretty damn yeah, good. Yeah, we're, we're not going to get any, any favors from them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, conversely, we are, uh, we are being penalized 45 yards per game. Not terrible. Not bad. I, 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 I know we've actually been playing pretty well this year penalty-wise, but I still kind of expected it to be higher. Um, that's 24th in the country. Uh, and then we look at turnover margin. So they are at a plus two. We are at a plus one. Almost identical, actually. They have three, their defense, three fumble recoveries and four interceptions. Our defense, three fumble recoveries, four interceptions. Uh, their offense, two fumbles lost and three interceptions. Our offense, four fumbles lost, two interceptions. So pretty similar there. Um, I think that'll be important, obviously, is, is you know driving those turnovers creating that pressure on Nate Stanley. Um, like I said, this is a team that you saw the blueprint, right? Michigan shut down their run, forced Nate Stanley to be the guy, and he wasn't, you know? Yeah. Turns out he's not. He's he's had some miserable performances against Penn State. I was looking through it. I think uh, I think last year was like 18 for 40-something. Um, re- just really bad. So he, he like, it's... It's deceiving because you see some of his highlights, and he has a beautiful deep ball. Like he can throw it. He like he's a quarterback. He can play, but you put him under some pressure, you put the game on his shoulders, things start falling apart a little bit. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump to our predictions. We'll finish up with some Twitter questions, and then uh, I have a couple of fun stats to end end with. I told you, Chris Chris stats over here. Just just call me stats. Um, all right, we've kind of talked, we touched on it, but uh, let's let's go key to victory. What is your key to victory against this game? Uh, third downs. I think if we can stop them on third down, and if we can convert third downs, they're gonna have a really hard time stopping us. Um, offensively, you know, we're a big play team, and fact of the matter is, if we can hit like a couple big plays against them, that puts us in a very good position to win. But if we can convert third downs, I think there's just no way they win this game. Yeah, I think that's I think that's awesome, and I, I agree. Like control control the clock on offense with efficient drives that produce points. Even if you're only getting field goals on some of them, you can't have five straight punts like we had in Purdue. Just can't do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's actually a really good stat that I missed. Uh, we are converting third downs at a forty-one point four percent clip, so continuing to rise from where we've been. Um, but their third down defense, allowing 25% of the time conversions. That's very good. Very good. Now, our defense, much, much higher at 25.3%. <laughs> We're basically identical. Both defenses are letting up a quarter uh, of the third downs attempted. But, yeah, I agree. I love that key, and I, I think I think it kind of kind of ties into mine a little bit. Um, my key to victory is Ricky Ronnie. Uh, Ricky Rowney in the offensive execution. Uh, this is the absolute best defense that he's played so far. We saw the struggles against a good defense in Pitt. Um, we need to score points to win. 
like I said, it's it's I, I trust our defense. I really do. Even if there's some weird things and they get some extra points that are, you know, from freak plays or stupid turnovers, like I'm okay with it. I trust our defense to do what they're what they need to do. Um can you come in with a solid game plan? Can you execute early? Right? Can you make real time adjustments? And, you know, we can't we can't wait till the end of the game to try to make adjustments. So I think we've seen flashes of it. I think we've seen, you know, spots of brilliance. I loved seeing his personality in, in the HBO doc. Like it 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 made me like ten percent more a Ricky Ronnie fan. Like I know I've been down on him a little bit. Made me at least ten percent more on his side. So my key to victory is him calling a good game, adjusting when we need to, and and putting the pressure. Like force Iowa's hands. Make them make them beat you. Don't let Kinnick don't let Kinnick take you out of it. Um, all right, don't be surprised if What's your don't be surprised if? Uh, don't be surprised if Penn State has a hard time running the ball. Yeah, they have a pretty good run defense. <laughs> yeah, they have a good run defense. Uh, we've had trouble establishing the runs, and I think we're just more of a passing team in general. So don't be surprised if, you know, especially at the beginning of the game, it's slow going with just, you know, we're running on second down and going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of my fears, definitely. Um, you know, we we talk every week about you got to get the run game going, you got to figure out the rotation. How do you how do you let the run support your pass? All that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's a hostile environment with a really good run defense. So I hope you're wrong, but I can see I can see why it's your don't be surprised. Um, I'm gonna keep going with uh with my offense here. Um, I'm not even gonna mention kick return and punt returns for touchdowns. I'm not even gonna do it. Not even going to say it. Pat on the back for me for not even saying it. Uh, for me, don't be surprised if the offense comes out fired up. I'm talking hot start. We have seen in these big-time games where we're a little sluggish and it takes us some time to go in. For me, I think, especially after watching this documentary, like seeing the reaction to the sluggishness in the second half against Purdue from the coaches and from the players, too. Um, Clifford talked about it in uh, in his post game interview after the game. He said immediately he went to I guess they have like a, a like a mental coach on the team. I don't know what the title is, but someone who helps them kind of like uh, to think about like the mental approach to things. And he said he's like he went right to him and talked about like yeah we got lazy we kind of stopped focusing and stopped paying attention. And I think Clifford's exact quote was I'm going to be in his ear all week to make sure we are focused and prepared. I'm expecting a very hot start from this offense. And yeah, it's going to be tough. Like, I'm not saying we're going to go out there and score four touchdowns on the first tries, but I think you're going to see some flashes early on. Um, and, and they're going to use that. They're going to use that as motivation. They're going to use that as adrenaline uh, and, and hope us, hope prevail us to a big time victory. All right, prediction time. Uh, so the line, <laughs> this has moved a bit. Have you seen this? It opened up, I think we were four and a half point favorites. Most books, it is down to three and a half. They are expecting a tight one. The over-under is 42. God damn, that's low. I'm, I'm seeing 41 and a half, but we'll, we'll go with 42. Oh, we, can, we can give you the half. Hey, if you're getting a half, get the half. Uh, I don't know if it'll matter for my prediction anyway, but Pat, what do you got? What's your um, prediction I'm here? Taking Penn State, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Minus giving three, three and a half. half. We're, we're going to we'll win by more than three and a half, I think. Um, and I'm going with the under. 
Classic Pat Colicchio pick. Yep. I love it. Taking the under. Okay. My score prediction is 24 to 10. 24 to 10. Okay. All right. This is uh this is where you guys are gonna see the gambling prowess that I have. The knowledge that I have to be smarter than all the squares out there. Because everyone out there is a square. Everyone's saying it's gonna be a dog fight. It's gonna be a low scoring game. It's gonna be ugly. I'm a shark. This is what I do. Okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> I've lost so many bets. Take this with a grain of salt. Um no, I like I said, don't be surprised if our offense clicks. I think we put up points. Like I, I have a lot of faith in this offense, and I think I think if we strike early, it's gonna just build the confidence so much. I got 34-14. Um, not terribly far off your prediction, but I, I I think we put up more points than people are are expecting. I think you see a lot of predictions out there of like a 14-10 or a 12-10, like something really ugly. Um, I like yours. What'd you say, 24-10? 24-10. I'd be okay with that because I think that's still a solid victory over a good defensive team. But I, I think I think we get more. It's, it's 34-14 for me. Penn State wins a big one over a ranked team on the road. Earns more and more respect. Put it in the box. I'm not seeing Iowa putting up two touchdowns on us. Eh, maybe they get maybe they get lucky with like a special teams or a defensive one somehow. Maybe, I, but I'm not seeing it. I don't love it. I, I don't know. I thought 13 would be too conventional, but. I can't change it now. I already put it in the book. Yeah, it's too late. It. It's too late. 34-14. Put it in the book. All right, let's wrap up some Twitter questions from our fans, friends. I don't, they're not even fans. These are my friends. I talk to them all the time. I, I know you guys by name now. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Sweens. Sween Eggs and Ham. Shout out. Said, okay, final way to get consistency and production from the running game. Propose Kane and Journey are the one and two. Ford is the change of pace slash outside guy. Slade is set to officially become a slot wide receiver who gets some runs every now and again. Sweens, you really want you really want Ricky Slade to be a slot wide receiver. He asked this question last week too. Uh, what's your thoughts on that proposal? No, I don't see it happening. Um, I think we're they're just gonna see who's hot every game and then get the ball to them. And it's actually been working. I mean, we've been shitting on the run game a little bit. But we're putting up like 190-yard rush yards a game. Now, more of those are Sean Clifford than I'd want them to be. But yeah, Sean like, It's worked better than we've all made it out to be. Yeah, and like I don't even hate on the Sean Clifford rushing yards because, I mean, look at the last couple of years. Trace was always a big part of the rushing game. And yeah. like, that was just the offensive identity. So, um, yeah, the, the, the depth chart this week looks the same. It's Journey, then Ricky, then Noah, then Devin. And I think that's more of just the same – same kind of thing with Franklin of like experience and um, you know I I think you will see Noah have a bigger role this week um, but you're not going to put him number one on the depth chart on a night game at Kinnick Bay it's just not going to happen um, so I think you see I think you do see more of Kane but I also think if you see him struggle early on like I don't think Franklin would be afraid to to pull him out like and you know go with the more experienced guys. Um, so yeah, Sweeney's. I like your proposal. I I just I don't know. I don't see Slade go into a slot wide receiver. Like you know, don't be surprised if rookie Slade is a good game this week. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. That could you imagine a big breakout game for him? That would be awesome. I would love it, especially against this defense. Yeah, I'd be very okay with that. Very okay with that. Um, all right, CJ Scalzetti. Uh, by all accounts, this seems to be a much tighter locker room than last season. Wrong to think that this a-hole letter and impact from it will absolutely galvanize the team 
and we can see a dominant performance against a less talented team. I mean, I definitely think this letter will kind of bring the team together. I don't think it's any, I don't think it was any less tight last year though. Like I feel like this would have had the same effect. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The first part, I'm not quite sure. Uh, Cause I, I feel like, I feel like the last couple of years, honestly, the team has been incredibly tight. Um, I think Ever since it's been all Franklin's guys, I think. Yeah. The yeah. locker room is very tight. And I think every year too, as you know, as social media evolves more, as the team does more with video and the podcast, like you, I think you just see more of it. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. As far as the letter uh, galvanizing the team, I think one absolutely it already has. Um, like I said, you can see the camaraderie that they have just just going to bat for him on Twitter. Like you, you know that that's bringing them closer together in the locker room. Now, would I rather have the letter not existed at all? Of course, like. You know, that's not something you want to leverage, but it happened. And yeah, I think they're going to go out there and, and, you know, be a little extra motivated for their guys. So absolutely. Uh, Shane Lunnan, shout out Shane. Uh, is this week the, is this the week Noah Kane finally gets the lion's shares of carries he has earned Two more of a comment? Dave Peterson should forever be big 10 Boso for his letter to Jonathan Sutherland. Absolutely. Shane on that second one could not agree with you more. Uh, Dave Peterson, you're fucking bozo. Yeah, we won't name him every week, but he'll be like our honorary. Yeah, yeah, he's just I, I, like I said. He's, guys, like, he's like the butt fumble of yes. Big Ten bozo. Yeah, so he's just we we have to retire him. He's so dominant. Yeah, just there. You're you are the ultimate bozo. Um, first question, I think we kind of answered. Is this the week Noah King gets the lion's share? I nope. think. You, what's your answer? <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. I, I, my answer is I think the potential is there and the opportunity is there. But it'll completely, completely depend on how, how it materializes. Like if he's struggling early on or if he's not moving it, they're not going to be afraid to go to someone else. Uh, CJ, again, I, CJ, I love, I love how CJ writes in like multiple times. It's like just kind of like a stream of yeah. consciousness. Oh, keep that coming. <laughs> Whatever you got on your mind, just keep them coming. Uh, I know Kinnick at night is weird, but what have we seen from Iowa so far that they are a good team? The rock fight against Michigan when they scored three against an OKD don't count. Fuck this and the cowards who think this is a, quote, close and tough game. We are whipping their ass. CJ, I, mean, I kind of agree. CJ, how do you really feel? Tell us. Yeah, right? uh, no, I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is like, um, it's kind of like the middle point between a trap game and a tough Big Ten game. Because like, Iowa hasn't shown a ton to show that they're like a great, great team. But they're not bad enough to be a trap game. You know, like they're a good team. They're a talented yeah. team. They've got talent on the roster. They're always going to give you a fight. But yeah, that's why that's why I think both of us predicted fairly big wins. I mean, you've got a 14-point win. Yeah. I've got a 20-point win. Line is three and a half. Like we're, we're, we're expecting to beat this team. And we're expecting to beat them big. Yeah, I'll put it this way: if the li- if the line was like ten, I would struggle picking Penn State, but still would. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. If it was that's 10, how I feel about this. If game. it was ten, I would, I would, I would be a little concerned because I'd be like, all right, what do they know that I don't know? Um, but three and a half, I think, is more to the environment, uh, the stadium, the night game, and and the fact that and it they is, have a good defense. Yeah, they have a really good defense. They're again third in the country, eight point yeah. eight points per game. Like our our predictions are double, triple, quadrupling what they've let up. So, yeah, I'm, CJ, I am with you, um, and hopefully we'll be seeing that Saturday night. 
Uh, Andrew Hanselman. Uh, he just wrote in his prediction. Andrew, you're jumping the gun. That'll come out on Saturday. But he said something Smart. ugly. Something ugly like 19 to 12. Um, we disagree with you, but a win's a win. I'll take it. Uh, Chris, Lions 26, said, how good are Iowa's corners? Can we do quick passes and torch them like Maryland and Purdue? you have any insight on Iowa's corners? They have one very good cornerback who played really – I forget his name, but he played real well against Penn State last year. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be on KJ most of the day. This could free up targets like Jahan and Pat Frymuth if he's not in the block a lot, Nick Bowers, who's been good, Justin Shorter if he's back. Uh, even look for the running backs to get very involved in the passing game if they don't have to stay into block too much. So I think – I know they do have one very good corner. You know, wouldn't be surprised if they have two. But I don't think that alone is going to be enough to like shut down our passing game. Yeah, one thing. So I actually did uh, earlier today. I went back and just watched like the highlights of each of their games, a three or four minute clip. Obviously, you're not getting the whole story there. But uh, something I noticed is not only are they very good in run defense, but they're incredibly aggressive in run defense, meaning their corners, their safeties are biting and attacking early. Uh, they've only let up five touchdowns on the season. Um, I think we've let up four. So they've only let up five. On, I think, three or four that I watched today, they were all off of some sort of play fake where the corner started to bite up or the help support started to bite up. Um, there was one where, I think this might have been the Miami-Ohio game, the quarterback literally just like faked a toss to the outside, like just made the motion. Like didn't It wasn't really a big fake. He just made the motion with his hand. The corner jumped up to attack that dude beat him deep. Uh there was another one where there was a, uh, a trick play where they dumped it off to the running back behind the line of scrimmage. Cornerback came up to make the play, threw it to the wide receiver over top of him. Um, there was another game where it was a true play action, like under center, like in the NFL, run around, fake the handoff, had one-on-one coverage down the field, made, threw it up, receiver caught the ball. So I think, I think they're incredibly aggressive and they're willing uh, to, to play that man and let you have those shots here and there. Um, but then they, they also run some like sneaky zones and that's how they've gotten some of their interceptions where um, you know they've had guys laying underneath so I think it's a combo I am not an expert of dissecting film uh, but that's sort of what I've seen so I think I think if we like you said earlier if we're if we're establishing the run game if we're getting some of that going they're going to be over aggressive on that uh, and I think that the shots will be there if we can establish the run I think they've got like no chance yeah agreed agreed uh, and then the last one uh, from Brandon Beal, very close friend of the program. What up, Brandon? How much of a measure is this game for the rest of the season? How far will you jump on the 15-0 and bandwagon if we blow them out? Um, I think it's a great measure of how, our off- how effective our offense is against good defenses. Uh, I'm not, like, logically, I won't hop on that bandwagon if we blow them out, but emotionally, I absolutely will. <laughs> Uh, just because I think Ohio State not only is a great team this season, but I think they're a tremendously difficult matchup for Penn State with Chase Young at defensive line. Yeah. And a, a quarterback who can move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll get to that later on. Justin Fields is the real deal. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think this is, I think this absolutely is a measure for the rest of the season because it is a legitimately good defense. Again, like last game, Michigan won 10 3. That first touchdown was it was off of a fumble that Iowa had early in the game that gave Michigan great field position, and that was in the first quarter. They shut them down for the rest of the game. It's like, yeah, Michigan won, but it wasn't super impressive. 
Um, so if we're able to blow them out, if we're putting up 24 or 34 points like you and I think, I'm hopping on that bandwagon, man. 15 yeah. and 0, 15 and 0 is a lot, but I think I think I'm hopping on Big Ten title and playoff bandwagon. Like if we blow Absolutely. them out, I am I am marginally more bought in uh, than I was coming into the week, and I feel good right now. Like I, th- I think there's a lot of challenges ahead, and I think there's a lot. You know, we we can't count the chickens before they hatch, right? He's still got a lot of tough games. Um, you know, Michigan, although it's the whiteout, although they've looked suspect, like. You can never just count that as a win. Um, Michigan State, they've played us so well uh, the last couple of years. Can't count that. Um, you know, and then, obviously, the, the battle with Ohio State at the end of the year. So, yeah, I think this is a really good measure. And if it's a blowout, I am going to be very, very excited. Oh, right. yeah, tremendously pumped up. All right, those are all of the, uh, the Twitter questions, I believe. One last check. Oh, God, so many notifications. We're so popular. Um, oh, it's all about the doc. Never mind. Uh, yeah, go watch the doc. All right, last thing. As I was looking up stats for this game, uh, I was looking up some like individual stats because uh, mostly I just pulled the team stats. We got some individual ones, and this is going to give you guys a little bit of a barometer of where some of our guys are on the season. Individual national rankings. So I only looked at the top 50 for each category, and I was actually trying to compare Penn State versus Iowa. There's not a single Iowa guy listed on the categories I picked. Granted, I'm cherry-picking, right? I'm sure they have some guys and others, but here's some things that we are uh, personally doing pretty well at. Uh, for sacks, Yitor Grossmatos is tied for 13th in the country with 5.5. Shaka, right behind him, tied for 16th at 5. Uh, the leader is some dude on Boise State with 9, and then Chase Young right behind him at 8.5. So two guys right up there in the top 20. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, tackles for loss, Eter is also up there, uh, 26, he has 7.5. Uh, this one I really love, passes defended. John Reed, tied for 36 in the country with six total passes defended. It's two interceptions and four pass breakups. Do you have any commentary? You want me to just keep rolling? Them? Keep rolling. We'll, we'll talk to you. <laughs> um, I love John Reed. I, I think he's a very oh, he's awesome defense, so cool to see that. Uh, passing touchdowns, Cliff is tied for 16th. He has 12 passing touchdowns. Leader is Tua Tungavailoa. Did you hear that? That's how you pronounce his name. Tungavailoa? Tungavailoa. Okay. There's no like N or, or yeah, yeah, there's no N in it, but there was like a, a video where someone asked him how to pronounce it, and he says, he said Tungavailoa. Crazy. Interesting. Um, he has 23. That's insane. He has almost double what Cliff has. It's insane. Um, yards, <laughs> yards per pass attempt, Cliff is sixth. At uh, 10.69, uh, Jalen Hurts, Tua, and uh, Burrow are all in the top five. Points responsible for per game. Cliff's 22nd with 16.8 points responsible per game. And I think you'll see that go up as he uses the wheels a little bit more. Uh, a couple more yards per reception. KJ is 19th. Jahan is 23rd. Did you notice in the documentary they called him Han? Yeah, I like Clifford's that. like, Han, Han. I love that. Uh, Han Solo. Yeah, they're both averaging just over 20 yards per reception. That's awesome. Uh, receiving touchdowns, KJ is tied for 32nd with four. Receiving yards per game, KJ is 40th with uh, almost 80 yards per game. And lastly, rushing touchdowns, Noah Kane tied for 27th in the country with five rushing touchdowns on the season. I know that's a lot of rattling, but uh, yeah, we got some guys that are doing some good things. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'd expect out of this, that there's a lot of guys – 
in those numbers, but no one crazy high just because right. we have I, so many skill position players that are quality players. Yeah. And you're, you're never going to see an offense like ours that has like a guy with the most receiving yards in the country. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're Alabama and you have four wide receivers that are fucking amazing. Um, but then there's too many, there's too many guys, there's too many of them there. Yeah, but they they all put up crazy numbers. Anyway, that's yeah. not, this is not an Alabama podcast. It's a Penn State podcast. Uh, yeah, there you have it. Twenty four ten for Pat, thirty four fourteen for Chris. Um, I I also want to see Pat Fryermuth have a big day. It's not him. I don't be surprised. Me too. Last week I didn't say this on last week's episode, um, but one of my bets was Pat Fryermuth over forty one and a half yards. And when Bowers had that big play, I thought it was Fryermuth at first. I've never been more upset at a positive Penn State play in my life. Um, but yeah, I hope Pat has a big day. I hope I hope we go out there and we take care of business. Like, yes, to Brandon's question, of course, like it'll it'll get us excited for season long. But man, I, I think it'll just keep that positive momentum. It'll just keep keep the faith and these guys believe in each other, man. They are incredibly bought into Franklin, his staff, and what we're doing. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Pat, any last words for the fans? Um, Iowa, 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 baby. Iowa, 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 Iowa. We are.